0: Electronic device, let's make our declaration of faith. Somebody shout, This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, come on again, and my life. One more time. And my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Genesis chapter number 29, verses number 32, something very interesting, borderline tragic is happening. The Bible declares, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely, my husband, he'll love me now. 33 declares, she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. 34. Again. She conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last, my hood. I just wonder, is there a church mother somewhere? with some spirituality intact that would sit down with sister girl and inform her if he don't already have your heart giving him a baby ain't gonna is there somebody that can speak truth with compassion to encourage sister girl because again she conceived and when she gave birth to a son she said now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons so she named him Levi 35. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Yeah. Then she stopped having babies. <laughs> Father, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity to to minister the word of God to the people of God. Uh, I want to do this very carefully and cautiously because I know that these are people that you love. And I'm very, very careful, God, in how I handle folk that you love, God. So let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, let them be acceptable in your sight now. Bless this gathering. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says... So we're starting a brand new series today, simply entitled Party of One, Embracing God's Heart for Singleness. And I'm going to be very, very transparent, this series is not going in the direction that I thought at all. I was was prepared, I had some, some things that I had thought about and some things that I had kind of put together in my own head as far as what God was going to do. And I want to highlight a particular resource that I first started reading and and preparing for this particular series that totally challenged me in a radical way. The book that I read that I start reading um, by Albert um, She called Singles at the Crossroads. And he says in his introduction, he says the average Christian bookstore has more than 100 titles on marriage and another 100 about parenting, children, and family issues. In contrast, these stories stock only about a dozen books about singleness. Half of these are geared for single again, divorcees, or widows. Of the remainder, most are about how to find the right one. He goes on to say, the marriage books never argue that marriage is a good thing, that is, presupposed. They accept the reality that marriage often have problems, so that's what these marriage books are for, dealing with the marriage problems but books on singleness usually have a different approach instead of dealing with the problems that singles might face these books seem to think that singleness is the problem they instruct the reader on how to bide one's time until the right person come along In other words, they imply that the solution to the problem of singleness is to get married. Then one can have marriage problems like the rest of us. Don't you want to be like us so you can have marriage problems? Get rid of your little single problem. Get some marriage problems. And then read all the marriage books. I I just want to trip just for a second because I was extremely convicted when I read this particular passage, because think about it just for a second. Um, society puts a lot of pressure on single people. I mean, we, here we are getting ready to enter into the month of February, and nine and, ti- nine and a half times out of ten, somebody going to ask you if you're single, so who going to be your valentines? Times with the M, times. Ain't got no valentine. Oh, so you ain't had nobody to snuggle with during Christmas around the coals and the fire in the fireplace. Well, I ain't got a fireplace. We put a lot of pressure, not just society. I'm telling family puts a lot of pressure on you. You go to a family gathering, and here go Momo, here go one of your uncles. Girl, you ain't married yet. And you want to hit them. Have I sent you an invitation yet? <laughs> you would know if I was married yet. Society puts pressure on them. Family put pressures. And sad to say, my God, today, the church house, we put pressure on our singles. My, I mean, real real talk. I mean, I just had a conversation, chat, this week. Individual came to me and they said, Pastor, real talk. Well, man, I just want to come to church. That's all I want. I just want to come to church. I don't want to get hooked up. I walk through the door, and folks trying to hook me up. Is it possible for me to just be by myself and be okay? Or I got to have somebody by my... This is going to be a very, very challenging uh, 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 series, but nevertheless, it's going to be good. Because here's the reality. When you put pressure on people, I I I I highlighted Genesis because the context doesn't necessarily fit singleness But the environment that Leah finds herself does fit where I'm going in this particular series. Because in this particular environment, the culture is a woman is nothing if she ain't got a man and children. That's the cultural context. And so watch this, watch this. Leah represents living in a society that devalues singleness. So she's willing to devalue herself just to fit in. (laughs) That's so good. I'm going to just let that marinate just for a moment. She's willing to devalue de- devalue herself, her own standards, just so she can fit in with everybody else who got kids and who got an husband. So she winds up tricking Jacob to marry her. Jacob thinks he's marrying Rachel. He wakes up and oh, What you doing here, girl? And then not only does she because I mean, you know, if you trick them to get them, you got to trick them to. So, so I got to do this crooked, I got to do this half-hearted stuff just to get connected with somebody so I can be accepted by society. And if I trick them to keep them, I got to keep on tricking them to, 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 to keep them if I trick them to get them. So watch this, chapter number 30, verse number 14. In this particular uh, uh, society, they em- em- embrace polygamy. So Jacob got two wives and they both sisters. Somebody shout, that's a mess. That's a hot mess. <laughs> The Bible declares, during wheat harvest, Reuben went out into the fields and found some mandrakes planted, which he brought to his mother Leah. Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? Very well, Rachel said. He can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. So when Jacob came in from the field that evening, Leah went out to meet him. You must, she said to her husband, you must sleep with me. I have hired you with my son's mandrake, so he slept with her that night. I'm telling you, it's a real deal because too many times we put pressure on our singles and oftentimes drive them into situations. Sometimes it's not God's will, and other times it's simply not even their desire, but because you make me feel odd being by myself. So what I want to do in this series, I really want to highlight God's heart when it comes to the state of singleness. I want to start in the book of Matthew, chapter number 19, verses number 3. The Pharisees approach Jesus, and they're trying to trap him up in, in his speech. And the Bible declares, some Pharisees came to him to test him. They ask, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Now, What they're doing is they're going to point back to Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter number 24, verse number 1, where Moses writes and he says, if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house. So the disciples live in this culture where if you marry somebody and later on you don't want them, you can just send them on. As long as there's two people, you write them a slip in front of two people and we divorce. It's just that simple. Matter of fact, there are some writers that I read, they, were, they said that in this culture, you could clap your hands three times and that in front of two people and say, I don't want you, I don't want you, I don't want you. And that means we divorce. So get your stuff and go on. Whatever you got, go on. Somebody shout, that's wrong. Somebody shout, that's messed up. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But guess what? We show live in that culture right now because we got a rule called No Fault Divorce. The culture that they are in, we live in it right now. Since 1969, when this act was signed into the law, prior to that, you had to have a reason for a divorce. Something, he cheated on me. She slept with somebody else. I, found, I didn't know she was on drugs before I married her. She hid that this is something hideous that happened. There had to be a reason, but now... We just can't seem to get along. So they're basing, they have their own no-fault divorce in Deuteronomy 24. So they're tra- challenging Jesus, trying to trap him up. And so, so they say, can, can we divorce for any reason? Jesus points back to an argument of creation. He says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason? A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So Jesus goes beyond the law that Moses wrote, and watch this—he's pointing to God's original design for marriage. Watch this: one man, one woman, one lifetime. One man. Don't care what the government say. One woman. What government didn't create marriage? God did. And it was supposed to be for a lifetime. But, Pastor, I got you on this one. I got you on this one because verse number 6 says, So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. See, I, I got you, Pastor. I got you on this one because I don't feel like God really put me and my wife together. Because after all, all I was trying to do, yeah, was just change a flat tire. I ain't I asked ain't for all of this. <laughs> She said, too, somebody said, too late. You sure, all right? Because my wife would take me for everything I got. She would, like, give me your shoes, too. (laughs) My God, one of our our first fights, one of our first of many fights, we had just got married, pop. And my wife tried to kick me out. She said, You ain't, she looked around the house. She said, You ain't got nothing in this house but your clothes. (laughs) Chad, that girl tried to put me out before we even got started. <laughs> no, if you make that argument where God has joined together, you'll actually be taking the text out of context. The context is this. God is the creator of marriage, and what he created he designed to be for a lifetime. It's for a lifetime. So this is their response. Why then, they asked, did Moses command? Everybody shall Command. They said, so why did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus responds, it wasn't a command. Moses just permitted it. Why? He permitted divorce because your hearts were hard. Now, now the gospel writers have a way of setting up story after story. And it's amazing that this story concerning divorce immediately precedes his, his response to forgiveness and humility. So he's pointing back to his previous teaching, because you won't uh, uh, humble yourself, because you choose not to forgive. That's why Moses allowed divorce to happen in the first place. But Jesus said, verse number 9, somebody shout, ooh-wee. He says, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Now pause there for a second because I want to highlight what the disciples getting ready to say. The disciples who've been walking with Jesus for all this time, who have walked away from their businesses, walked away from their lives, and they have committed to Jesus, this is their response. You mean to tell me, watch this, they said, the disciples said to him, if this is the, I'm talking about the disciples now, if this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it's better not not to even get married. That what the disciple said. You mean to tell me Jesus that I can't leave him whenever I want to? That's what the disciple said. You mean to tell me she burned my toast and I'll be like, you know what? You mean to tell me he pick up a little weight and I'll be like, I can't go, I can't do this no more. <laughs> he was much smaller when I married you. I can't do this no more. The disciple said this. If I can't leave whenever I want to, it's probably not. It's probably better not. Just, let's. How about we just not do this. Look at Jesus' response. Master teacher. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. So who are you talking about? He goes on to talk about three types of singles. He says, for there are eunuchs who were born that way. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it so he's gonna say that there are some people that are born with um... don't have the ability of sexual or the capacity for sexualities and these are some individuals they'll never marry they don't even they're not even they don't even have the desire sometimes not even born with sexual organs it's a type of single It's a eunuch. and he said then there's a second type of eunuch that are made eunuchs of man Uh, Daniel was a eunuch. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were eunuch. In essence, they were castrated. Why? Because whenever a king would hire someone to guard his harem, to guard his wives or his concubines, he wanted to ensure that these men were not hitting on his wives. So he would often castrate them. Again, Daniel was, the three Hebrew boys, they were castrated. And then he says there is a third class of eunuchs or singles. And here's the third class, Matthew 19, 12. And there are those who choose, everybody shout choose, understand, nothing wrong with their sexual drive, nothing wrong with their sexual abilities at all. They simply choose to live like eunuchs, in in essence, a celibate life, a consecrated life to God. Why do they choose? For the sake of the kingdom of heaven. There are some that say, you know what? I can serve God better as a single man than as a married man. I can do more for the kingdom of God as a single woman and not have the, 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 the entanglements or the baggage of having a spouse or children. I can get up when I want to get up. I can pray when I want to pray. If it's, if it's a mission trip, I can go on a mission trip. If I want to change my environment, I can do whatever I want because I don't have to go and say, is it okay if I serve God or not? Let's be, let's be real. <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> I didn't really think about this pop until you know, I, I started challenging the church and God started challenging me about fasting because I used to fast a whole lot. I used to fast a whole lot. And I ain't blaming my wife. I ain't blaming my wife. It ain't her fault. But one of the first dating arguments that we got into was Aisha's birthday party. We was having a big birthday party for her. I think she was turning four or five. might have been t- Oh, she was turning four years old, and um, I decided I was gonna fast that day. And my girlfriend went off on me. What you mean you're gonna be fasting? So we all gonna be eating cake and stuff. You just gonna be sitting there just looking. <laughs> I guess I won't fast. Brush your God, I hadn't fasted since. <laughs> no. No. As a single man, I just wake up in the morning. I'm like, you know, I'm a fast today. I ain't eating nothing all day. Time I wake up for the next three days, I'm not eating nothing. I ain't going to the commons. I ain't going. I'm, I'm just, you know what? It's Saturday. I'm going to shut up in my dorm all day and I'm just going to pray. I used to do that a lot. And then I got into a serious relationship. And then, what you mean? Uh uh-uh. uh. You said you're going to go on grocery shopping with me. You can't go in, your, you, can't, you can't pray all day. There are some singles that say, I don't want any of that. At all to hinder me from doing what God and this is, watch this, watch this. We need to change our perspective to a God to a biblical, godly perspective of singleness and stop criticizing, stop picking on, stop condemning people who choose to live this life. Can somebody say amen to that? So what the Apostle Paul is going to do in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, he's going to ride what Jesus says in in Matthew 19, and he's going to expand on it to the church there in Corinth. Now, I want to highlight this because there are some components that he's going to talk about to marriage, and I'm going to just touch those just for a moment. But primarily, I want to highlight what he says to single. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, verse number 1. Now for the matters you wrote about. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with the woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his, somebody shout, your own wife. Not your girlfriend, not your baby's mama, your own wife. And each woman with her own, everybody shout, own husband. Not nobody else's. Verse 3 declares, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband in the same way the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. I wanna just touch this for a second, because we're gonna, so our our focus in our marriage conference is marital oneness, and we're gonna talk about emotional oneness, we're gonna talk about spiritual oneness, communication, oneness and vision, and of course, physical oneness. And I believe that sex in marriage ought to be better than any sex you had outside of marriage. (laughs) <laughs> I thought I was going to get just a few more amens than that. Because come on, come on. Some folks, ooh, Jesus, some folks struggle because the devil keeps pressing rewind to make you think about something that was illegal. And you can't really enjoy, and not just enjoy, explore the possibilities of what you got within the confine. Because outside that, it might have felt good, but you woke up with Shame. You got regrets, you got guilt, you got baggage, you might still have some soul ties doing it there, but the devil want to highlight how good that was, and you minimizing how good. Are y'all with me in this place? So he's going to go on to say verse number five. He says, do not deprive each other. Except married couples look at each other and say, don't hold out on me. Don't you hold, girl. Boy, you better. <laughs> Let me just go on and read. I want to read. I'm going to read the Bible, okay? <laughs> there he go. There he go. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent, mutual. We both agree. And then he says for a time, for a season. And the time should be so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. So in essence, there are couples in this church that are not having sex because they're saying we want to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. And Paul says that's not wise. He says you need to come together. Why? At the end of this this text he says so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So the wedding bed is a safe place for you to be to help you with the outside temptations that you're going to face. Look at a married couple. Married couples look at each other and say, we need to come together more. Boy, it's quiet up in here. It's so quiet. It's so quiet up in here. No, no, you good, 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 you good. Yeah. I never, hey, Brother King, I'll never forget our first 21 days of fasting and praying. The first one. My wife looked at me and said, so we're going to hold out 21 days? I said, the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. When we break our fast, we break our fast. So we're going to eat in the evening. <laughs> I'm just trying to preach. I'm trying to preach. Sex and marriage should be better than what I had prior to. Can somebody say amen to that? Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Six, he's going to say, yeah, I want to deal with this for a second. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish, the Apostle Paul says, that all of you were as I am. But each of you has your, everybody shout gift from God. Say it again, gift from God. One more time, gift from God. He says each of you has your gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now I want to highlight something that I have taught in the past that is wrong. I was wrong, I was wrong, and I'm repenting publicly because I inserted something into this particular text that's simply not there. And this was one of the things that, that really challenged me when I was preparing for this this um, 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 message. I was initially going to title this the gift of singleness. And the reason I was going to title it the gift of singleness, because I embraced at one point that singleness, that God gave certain singles a spiritual gift of singleness. And I'm retracting that, and I'm saying that I no longer believe that because I don't see that in the text anymore. Why? Why? Because Paul is going to call singleness, the state, a gift from God, but he's not going to call it a spiritual gift like he does in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Now, I want to highlight uh, w- one, of my, one of my distant mentors that I read a lot of his books who embraces singleness as a spiritual gift. And this is, what, this is how he defines uh, uh, the gift of singleness, the spiritual gift. He says the gift of celibacy or spir- uh, singleness, watch this, is the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to remain single, watch this, and enjoy it and not suffer undue sexual temptation. Now, pause here for a second. Chad, just run right here for a second. Run here for a second. Now, watch this. You got me and Chad. I'm a single brother, he's a single brother. He got the gift of singleness, and I don't. So, you mean to tell me based on that definition, I'm going to live a miserable life until I get married because I don't have the spiritual gift of singleness. And then I'm going to struggle in my sexual temptation because, God, because based on how God gives the spiritual gifts, he doesn't give everybody the same gift, but everybody has a gift. So if you got it then I, and I don't have it, then I'm going to struggle. I believe the devil is absolutely a liar. That is not what that text is saying. Thank you, sir. So Paul is going to call it a gift, but Paul also calls salvation a gift. He's also going to call righteousness a gift. He's he's also going to call grace a gift. And watch this. He did not insert spiritual gift, spiritual empowerment in that particular text like he does in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. He's going to say that you need to view your singleness itself as a gift. And the problem is too many singles look at what they don't have and don't look at the enjoyment of what they do have. As a single man, watch this, you got your time. As a single woman, watch this, you got your money. As a single individual, you have your opportunities. As a married man, it's no longer my time. (laughs) As a married man, it's no longer my money. I just can't do whatever I want to do. I just can't write checks whenever I want to write a check. I just can't get up and say, you know what, I'm going, I'm shooting to New Orleans. I, I, I know I got to go to New Orleans uh, uh, Monday. I had to go there anyway, but I'm, I'm taking a baby brother back, so I, I got to go there. And I told my wife I got to go to New Orleans. I had it in my mind that I was going anyway, but, but if shit, something come up, I can't just go to New Orleans because I got a commitment there. As a single, you got the gift of your time. And too many of us are envious over things that we should not be envious over. y'all with me in this place so he's not saying that singleness that there's a spiritual gift that God gives it to some he says no the state of singleness itself you have to view it as a gift can somebody say amen to that verse number seven he says I wish that all of you were as I am but each of you has your own gift from God one has this gift another has that eight now to the unmarried and the widows I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do that's what Paul said. That ain't what society say. Society say it ain't good. You by yourself, girl. You lonely. Why I got to be al- lonely if I'm alone? Because I mean, you know, that's two different things. You can be alone and not be lonely. Alone is just a physical state of you being by yourself. Lonely is now this emotional deficit that you have. I might be alone, but somebody shout, I'm never lonely. Yeah, you can clap for that one. You can, you can. Now, to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But, here you go, here's the caveat. But, the baby even screamed on this one. (laughs) If they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. I got to deal with this one for a second. Because because too many of us take verse number 9 and we apply it out of context. Let me, let me show you. There are some of you all, God help me. There are some singles, if you drunk the way you had sex, we'd call you an alcoholic. There are some singles, if you did drugs the way you had sex, we'd call you a drug addict. And I'm telling you, there is a such thing as a sex addiction. And verse number nine is not speaking to sex addicts. Because if you have an addiction and you get married, you're going to mess somebody's life up. Because at the root of sexual addiction, there is a physiological dependency on that feeling. There is a psychological challenge. And then there is a demonic influence under every addiction. So if you take that physical dependency, that psycho- mental challenge, and that demon into your marriage, y'all ain't saying nothing in this place, when you're done getting with your marriage partner, y'all ain't saying nothing, you're going to find you a porn site, a prostitute, a chick on the side, because that marriage bed is not enough to put out that fire that's being inflamed by some demonic. So verse number nine is not for the sex addict, deliver somebody shout, deliverance is, though. And some jokers walking around, and I've had my conversation with them. Man, man, I'm just a <laughs> you know my man, I'm, I'm just a McGee, man. No sex rival for McGee. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? No, I don't know what I'm saying. You need deliverance. What you call it manhood is actually an addiction, player. So verse number nine is for the individual who knows. I really want to serve God. Thank thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Catholic Church wouldn't be in so much trouble right now. Wouldn't be in trouble right now. If they had the wisdom of this text, I really want to serve God as a single man. But my sex drive, I got a strong sex drive. I ain't got no addiction. I just got a sex drive and I acknowledge my sex drive. And I want a partner to share life with, not just for the sex, but a person to share life with, and in that helps me to manage my sexual drive. Let me just say, and I ain't trying to be crazy and nothing like this, I ain't ain't trying to be nasty and nothing like this, but I'm just gonna say it. I'm grateful that my wife don't send me out the house hungry. I know some of y'all are like, yeah, pastor. that. He <laughs> can do that, whatever you want. It's okay. I, I just don't go nowhere hungry. Now, no, watch this. Watch this. And again, this is marriage conference, but I just want to, since I'm here, I want to deal with it. But I also have an understanding. Okay, so my wife's drive is a whole lot less than mine. Praise the Lord. A whole lot less like point something. (laughs) Just having grown up conversation, but I'm being real. So every time we're together, it's not because she got this great desire, she just realized that she wants to please her husband. So I appreciate that. But by the same token, I realize that sex for her, if, if we're gonna enjoy each other, it don't start in the bedroom, but it start in the morning. So this is not just for the brothers. It's for the partner that has a stronger sex drive. Don't be a jerk all day and then just act, expect him, expect her to just come in there, and just do. And you've been acting an idiot, a fool all day. What well, the Bible said? You supposed to yield your body to me. Well, how, don't the Bible say something about loving your neighbor? or Something? Can we? Can you at least show a little love or something? Am I all right, y'all? Am I right? Facebook? Am I okay? YouTuber? We can we talk? oh so let's move man i want to jump down way down to verse number 25 and then we're going to pray and get out of here now about virgins i have no command from the lord but i give a judgment as one by the lord's mercy is trustworthy because of the present crisis everybody shout present crisis so there's something special that's going on more than likely is the persecution of the church that he's calling a present crisis and he's saying, because of this, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. In essence, so as a single man, and I'm serving the Lord, persecution under, so uh, one, one of the guys that I read, he, he, he talked about this story of this, this lady comes from China, and at this particular time, I'm not sure if it's going on still now, probably is, but at this particular time, um, Christians, they had underground churches, and they had four pastors that were married, And the penalty for being a Christian at this particular time, again, it could be still relevant now, not sure, but the penalty for being a Christian at this particular time was 20 years in jail. And these pastors, watch this, were committed to serving God, committed to serving God's people, and all four of them got caught, and they got put in jail for being Christians 20 years. All four had families. Now, As a single pastor, wouldn't it have been better for a single pastor to say, you know what, I don't care if I go to jail, it is what it is, I'm going to spend my life serving God. So if I go to jail, I don't have to worry about who's going to feed my babies, who's going to feed my wife. But because they're married pastors, now they have this extra burden and extra stress upon them, not for themselves because they're okay, but who's going to take care of my family while I'm, does that make sense, y'all? So he says, because of the present crisis of what's going on right now, it's better for you to remain unmarried. But 27 declares, are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Again, he's, this is a caveat based on the situation that's going on. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not, do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And married couples say, amen. Now, we're always putting pressures on singles, but we, we ain't always honest about the stuff we go through to stay married. I'm going to say, okay, y'all. Y'all do it, Come on. I'm going to say it again. Jeff, we're often putting pressures. Oh, you got, I, I got a friend. I need you to meet. We're always putting pressure on singles to get in our situation, but we're not always transparent of exactly what it takes. Me and this girl here, we got 22 years. 22 years. She put that little crazy picture. I told her I told her not to put that on Facebook. So we you know, I bought her a suit. I never do that again. I ain't doing it no more. I bought her a jumpsuit like mine. I ain't think we were going to be walking around like we in the 7th grade taking pictures. <laughs> and she put it on. Fa- if you look at the picture, I ain't even smiling. I'm like, I ain't even smiling. Got 22 years. And I love being married. I love my wife. But has it been hard? You better believe it has. Has this been a challenge? Yes. Have I had to sacrifice? Have I had to practice patience? Have I had to practice humility and forget? You better believe I have. And she has as well. Because I know it ain't easy being married to me. I gotta think he know everything. And I often do. I do. I'm admitting it. He says, 28, but if you do marry, you haven't sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But I need you to know now, you got it good. Look, look at a single person right now and just tell them, you got it good. <laughs> y'all going to do it like, y'all, hey, y'all making this hard on me. Y'all making this real hard on me. I'm telling you what the Bible said. The Bible says, you single, you actually got it good. But if you married, you hadn't sinned, but he says, verse number 28, just know, but those who marry, you're going to face many troubles in this life. And he goes on to say, and I'm trying to spare you from this. (laughs) That's what the Bible says. 32, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs and how he can please the Lord. So this this is the, the... tension that, that, that he's highlighting. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. Now, listen, it, it was that day on Aisha's fourth birthday party, it was a tension in my soul because I really wanted to fast. I felt like I needed to fast. I felt like I needed to spend some time with God. I was just slipping in my soul. But I'm, I'm with this, this woman who said it's not fair for you to be fasting and, and, and looking miserable and, and sad and we're in a festival uh, uh, condition. There are times when I, I take a sabbatical several times a year and there are times when I feel I need it more, but I just can't do that because I got a responsibility of wife, I got a responsibility of children, I have other things that I'm engaged in. So there are times when I want to lock up in a room for a couple of days and just seek the, and just lay out in God's presence. He says, your interests will be divided. And then he goes on to say, 34, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way. In undivided devotion to the Lord, God, just a few more verses and I'll be out of here. But I really want to communicate this idea to the singles, that there is a higher calling of service that God is calling you to. And if you're in a single state, don't allow the pressures of this world to drive you into a relationship that you're not sure you even want yet. And you wind up missing out on potentially the best part of your life at this particular time because you live in this duplicity of, of, of worlds of trying to really serve God and then serve her, serve God and then serve him when you could be single minded at this particular time and really give all of your energy and effort to God's, to his goals, to his visions, to his plan for your particular life. And if you decide later on. Th- here, see, this is the problem. I got too many. Okay, let me just say it. I got too many married folks living like they single. And then single folks living like they married. Married folks, oh, I ain't he'll be all right. I get home when I get home. No, that's a single woman. And then single, can, can you do that? I, I got to check with her and see if every, what you mean, you're you, you single. What you mean you got to check with her? Too many singles living like they married. Too many married folks acting like they single. If you single, be single. If you married, <laughs> be married. Be accountable. I'm almost done. 36, if anyone is worried about, and here it is, Here. this is good, this is good. So 36 is the context of dating, and I believe that's where I'm going um, after, after the, uh, in, in March, I think, I, or April rather. I think that's what I want to do. De- I want to deal with just single issues for the next couple of weeks, month of February, and then probably April we'll pick up on just dating relationships in general. Will that be all right, y'all? And it just won't be applicable for singles. It'll be applicable for dating because how many know there's some of our marriages would benefit if we'd go back to some of our dating practices. The sweet things that you used to do before you put that ring on the finger. The gentleman you used to be, the woman you used to be when you were trying to get him. Cooking you used to do when you. Just, Now I'd rather walk in the kitchen and say, What we eating? What you mean, what we eating? <laughs> not, not in my house, of course. <laughs> if anyone is worried, verse number 36, speaking of a watch this, this is a, a dating couple. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably, somebody shall honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honorably toward the virgin, he is engaged to. Go ahead and get to it. What was he saying, Pastor? To violate her physically is to dishonor her. It's a dishonor. I know you guys are engaged or you are dating, but just because you put a ring on the finger don't mean it's yours yet. It ain't legal to, somebody shout, it ain't legal till it's legal. So he says you're dating or you engaged and it's okay to stay right there because what, I mean, Mary and Joseph, that's what they were. That's we, we see Mary and Joseph in the text. They're not married. They are betrothed. They are engaged to one another. But watch this. Mary is still living her single life, and Joseph is still living his single life. They have just made the connection that it's nobody else that we're interested in. It's just one another. So I'm going to go home and serve and do what I'm supposed to do as a single guy until we come together. So he says if anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin of he is engaged to and if his passions are too strong again this is not a sexual addiction it's that we spend a lot of time together and you looking fine and finer every day and he feels he ought to marry he should do as he wants he is not sinning they should get somebody shall get married but the man who has settled the matter in his own mind who is under no compulsion but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then he who marries the virgin does, right? Paul is gonna say something again that's contrary to our society. But he that does not marry does better. The individual that settles in that mind that I'm okay, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life as a single guy, a single woman, or Maybe I won't, maybe not the rest of my life, but for sure, this season of my life of what I want to do for God, the personal goals that I have, maybe there's business opportunities that I want to dive into. Maybe there's some traveling that I want to do. Maybe there's some more educational things that I want to do that I can't study and be worried about this. I can't travel and be, I can't do business the way I really want to do business and do this at the same time. He says that individual, you do better. So again, here's my heart. I want to personally apologize to all the singles that, not intentionally because it wasn't, but unintentionally, I undermine the value of you as a single individual. And if you feel in any way that I've been the source of the pressure to push you into a relationship before your time, I'm apologizing, and I'm saying sorry. And as a church, watch this. This This is what I am excited about. I I do love this. So if you are married, this is a place where marriages thrive. I do know that. I do know that. This is a place, watch this, if you want to make it work, you come here. Not only do you have a pattern, but the principles that are being taught on relationships and and how to relate to one another, it's going to impact your marriage life. I know that. But you know what? I also want this place to be known as a place that if I'm a single man or a single woman that's not even concerned about marriage at all, all I want to do is serve God, I want this to be that place as well that I can come and not have to feel the pressure. So this is what I want to do. I'm not going to... I don't know I just want to pray for my singles for a moment I want to pray because this is what watch this I retract the statement of the gift of singleness because I don't the spiritual gift of singleness because I don't see that in the text I do see it as a gift singleness itself is a gift like he said marriage itself is a gift but equating it to the spiritual special ability that he assigns to word of wisdom word of knowledge prophecy tongues interpretation in tongues that same context does not fit what he says in 1 Corinthians 7. He says the state itself is a gift. So I retract my past teachings on that, but what I do believe, and what I do know is, no matter what state you're in, God always gives you a special grace to do better in whatever area you're in. So as a single individual, my prayer is today, thank you Jesus, that God gives you the grace. To make crazy money, God gives you the grace to manage and steward the crazy money. God gives you the grace to bring your flesh and your sexual urges under control to a manageable point. I pray that God gives you the grace of strong friendships, companionships around you, a support system that speaks to the strength of being single and not always trying to pressure you into a a, a relationship or dating or something. I I pray God gives you the grace for vision as a single man or a single woman. I pray that God gives you the focus to pursue your educational goals and and your, your business endeavors. I pray today that God gives you the grace to stand as a powerful, strong Man of God, woman of God, that's secure within yourself and not having to define yourself by who's standing beside you or who you're married to or who endorses you. But I'm I'm good. Just me and God, we good all by you. I pray for the grace now to rest upon your life from the crown of your head to the sole of your very feet. I pray for the grace now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Satan you're nothing but a liar. You're absolutely a liar. I rebuke the spirit of inferiority that's often a sign to singles to make them feel as though that something is wrong with them. Mm, thank you Jesus. Because had nobody approached me or no one has asked me for a date or, or I, I go out and my friends, I, I rebuke that spirit now in the name of Jesus. And I want to thank God for some of you all for hiding you for such a time as this. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Because there are some of you all complaining about dates that hadn't approached you when in all actuality it has been God hiding you from craziness and from the dumb stuff. Because had he approached you, that would have been a roller coaster. Had he approached you, that would have been a roller coaster in life. Come on, somebody. That might have been hard for you to come back from. So, God, I want to thank you for covering our singles and keeping them, God, safe from wolves that have dressed themselves up in sheep clothing. Thank you, Jesus, for keeping them now. And God, I speak to their self-esteem now. Build them up. Strengthen the singles in this ministry because there's a greater work that you desire for them to do even above those of us who are married. And I thank you, God, that you're calling them, that you're gracing them, that you're empowering them. You're helping them to realize who they are in this season of their lives and being unashamed of their, the gift of singleness that you've graced them to embrace in this season. I thank you for it now, in Jesus' name. Come and put those hands together all over this building. Hallelujah.